Since 1987, the Final Fantasy video game franchise has delighted fans all over the world. Square Enix's epic role-playing game series has sold over 100 million copies worldwide. Now, join us as we look back at all the magic, beauty, tragedy, mythology, and wonder of this beloved franchise. This is the Livestream Podcast Final Fantasy Retrospective Series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Livestream Podcast Final Fantasy Retrospective. This is the third and hopefully final episode of our Final Fantasy VII Retrospective. Don't jinx it, man. <laughs> Better be, yeah. goddamn. It will be, even if we don't get finished. We have we have waxed poetic on and on and on and on about this terrific game. <laughs> Add 50 more ons in there and you're, you're correct. Yes, we sure. have waxed ad nauseum on this subject. <laughs> We've waxed on and waxed off. <laughs> and joining me on the monumental quest to finish this up <laughs> are Jason Tandro. Hey, you know me, I've been in like every one of these things, so howdy hey. <laughs> Ryu Shikaze. Of course I'm here. <laughs> and Tinio. Hello. And I'm sure you're all aware, but I'll say anyway, this podcast series is a love letter to the terrific Final Fantasy video game series. Throughout the series, we will be playing and providing in-depth reviews for nearly every Final Fantasy game released in the West. And like I said, we are wrapping up our look back at Final Fantasy VII. And we're going to start out here by discussing a little bit about the gameplay from Final Fantasy VII. Um, I'll go ahead and just leave it out on the floor. You know what this could have used more of? Pointless quick time events. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get those in the remake. I have no doubt. So actually, the, the, the mini-games that are throughout are generally pretty good. Yeah, I... For uh, the couple exceptions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of the submarine mini-game. I can live with the G-Bike mini-game, although I struggle with it. I can live with the snowboarding mini-game. And some of the Gold Saucer games are a lot of fun, but... Uh, the Look, Moogle House is just my jam. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> I love Moogle House. That's the best one. Oh, it's, my God. it's also the easiest one. So This is true. <laughs> look, I mean, look, for me with Gold Saucer, it was always a matter of just the atmosphere of being in the theme park. Because when, oh, yeah, really when you really get down to it, the games are, are kind of uh, mediocre. But it doesn't matter because your mind is like, Oh boy, I could spend hours at the thing, and I did, especially the snowboarding minigame. I spent like hours on that damn thing. The the gold saucer the gold saucer is very much Las Vegas. So the uh, 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 that whole atmosphere I love Las Vegas. It's one of my favorite places to vacation. So yeah, that whole atmosphere is terrific. I, I love it. Just two wishlist things for, for Gold Saucer in the remake. One Obviously, a better selection of minigames. I, like, I want Wonder Square to be gigantic. And two, I would love to be able to fully explore the freaking ghost hotel. Yeah, yeah, be able to walk through it and stuff, uh, and maybe beat up on uh, some unsuspecting costumed <laughs> creatures that are there to try to scare you. <laughs> or, or, or like they'll probably a, um, do... 
the developer room sort of thing where you can have yeah that'd be cool yeah sort of like what they did with like some of the the old school final fantasies where they had like the little side rooms and stuff in the castles you go in and meet the developers in and stuff yeah of course nowadays it'll be a vr experience and it'll be a pre-order bonus uh, <laughs> right. uh, that would be a that. good idea. I mean, I mean, maybe not. But like, <laughs> from, a, from a money making standpoint, they could like just release new games, and you can just download them later. You know what? I want for a pre-order bonus. They need to give us uh, uh, the uh, uh, Christ or uh, Before Crisis series as a pre-order bonus. You know, nice. you know, like as a pre-order bonus, getting the game before people. <laughs> <laughs> so it shows up on your doorstep like a day early <laughs> as far as the the general overall gameplay i mean it's really not that different from from your final fantasy 4 your final fantasy 5 final fantasy 6 it's, it's got that uh uh active time battle system that uh we've all become accustomed to the big difference is the materia system and i suppose it's really not all that different from uh final fantasy 6's uh esper system if you were familiar with that already um but i do think the materia system offers more as far as customization of things that it will do for you it is different in that um Things you get from Espers can eventually be permanent, whereas yeah. uh, there's nothing inherently permanent about uh, the Materia abilities. Agreed, yeah. yeah. You, you have to keep the Materia equipped in order for to, to gain whatever properties that Materia carries. Um, so yeah, I guess that is different from the way that the Esper system worked in Final Fantasy VI. But on um, the flip side, the materia itself is what's leveled, so you don't have to teach the same spell to five different people. Oh, this is true, and yeah, it, yeah. And it gives you a lot of customizability. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I, the, the customization is, all, is almost infinite. <laughs> that is true. I think one of the dynamics I uh, in, also enjoy about the gameplay on Final Fantasy VII is the, uh, 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 the limit break system and the way the limit breaks work in it. Um, the fact that you can it, that you're able to learn new limit breaks throughout the story or as you throughout gameplay, the more you use your limit breaks, um, I, I I enjoy the the limit break animations and such. The the biggest difference I think in battle that you've got less characters and that so actually changes things considerably. Yeah, and that's just apart from. Nine, that's been the standard. Yeah, I agree. It does actually change how you have to plan your strategy out a lot because uh, with a lot of the you know the first six games when it was able to be done, I do try to follow the usual two guys doing damage, a healer, and one guy soaking up damage. With three, you kind of have to split your duties. You usually have one guy who's taking damage but also dishing it out, and uh, you have you know your one guy who can heal. But a lot of times. I found in 7, I usually don't play with a dedicated healer. I just have whoever's going to heal when they need it. So Yeah, I have... What I what I usually do is I usually run one of my characters that has uh, all the materia with the uh, uh, healing properties. Um, and then I will also have a, a, a second character that carries a cure materia. So just in case the my, my designated healer has gets knocked out, I've still got another character carrying a cure materia, so... 
good strategy. Yeah, and just it's load a, people up with e skills and white wind all the time. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Enemy skill is so cheap in the game. How did this point that out? When you get big guard, white wind, and like a few attack abilities like Aqualung, you you basically don't have to plan your strategy throughout the rest of like the first disc. I was going to have to play the game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> big guard and white wind are amazing spells, and they really come in handy. We were talking about mini games. They really come in handy in the battle square when you're uh, at the gold saucer when you're doing the the battle arenas. Oh yeah, uh, I highly recommend going into that with. Uh, uh, the best weapon, the best armor you have, a ribbon, and that enemy skills materia is invaluable. Absolutely invaluable. I just hope that your handicap the first round does not take away any of that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're right about that. <laughs> that Otherwise, you're in for a very long trip. <laughs> or very yeah, some of the best oh, um, this is true. things that you can you can get for those are have your HP and MP halved. Those are actually some of the least debilitating effects. Yeah. Uh, and the level downs? Uh, the level downs, the... Level uh, downs can be uh, very irritating because they mean your damage output scales yes. down. Yes. Or the broken weapon. That makes your damage output scale down considerably, too. <laughs> uh, but that, I'll tell you, I like getting that, and I, I, and I like getting the all-materia dead on the last fight for one reason. It it balloons your BP, and that's already oh, yeah, a grind. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, the, the only unfortunate thing is if you're, that happens to you and you're fighting the, uh, uh, the, the secret battle, if you will, and you go up against Proud Claude with no fucking materia. <laughs> <laughs> You're dead. You don't need materia. To just wait for uh, just wait for uh, your your limit break to pop up and hope for the best. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's Actually, absolutely right. What's ideal and, is if you have like a bunch of um, the cornucopias, where like and every single time they'll just turn you into a frog and you turn yourself back, and then hey, you're set. The stupid frog thing. I I have actually gotten stuck in a situation where I got where I got frogged and I had already lost my materia before that. And stupid me didn't have any fucking cornucopias on me. So yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, suffice to say I didn't last very long. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I imagine not. Of course, with all these mini games, there's the big one. Are you referring to the date mini game? Absolutely, I am. Yeah. The, one, the only correct answer is Barrett. <laughs> yes. He is the only one that has a trophy on the PS4 version. W would he also be the least controversial one? <laughs> yes, because he's the only one you actually agree to go on the date with. He's not. All the three others push you out on it, so you're not going against. You know, you're going against your will. Yuffie's right, underage. With, with you know, Barrett Cloud kind of just follows. Is like, all right. <laughs> and look, I, that's an interesting point for you because what that means is, you know, no shame. Cloud may actually not be into in women. He's like, okay, you know, I don't want to go hang out with you. I don't want to hang out with you, Barrett. Let's get it on, bro. LTD solved. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually been Barrett the whole time. I do have to say though, I said it in a previous installment, was the part one or part two, but they need. First of all, I hope that we have. You can take the rest of the party on dates. Second of all, they need to have the play available for everyone. It, it makes me so sad that you can't do the play with Barrett. 
You know, I've yeah. honestly never tried to get Barrett as my date. I always just try for Eris. So, I've never been through that with Barrett. I'm UV currently... Difficult to get, but you can... They both have infinite um, point glitches you can... Justice Tifa. You're kind of cutting out a bit, Ryu. Oh, yep. am I? Yep. Anyways, um, I'm currently playing the PS4 version. And I'm totally going for the Barrett date. <laughs> so we're going to see how that goes. So I hope you, I make it. Do you have to be like a total tool to, to Tifa and Eris to get Barrett to go on the date with you? Kind of. And I think that a lot of it is, you know, having Barrett in your party all the time. No, that has um, nothing to do. Well, you do have to have him in your party at several key points. Uh, yeah. But you specifically have to not have the girls in your party. Because a lot of what gets them points, or what gets him points, will get them points as well. I see. Uh, but the big things are to get the flower at the beginning, give, give it, it to Marlene. Yep, did that. Um, and do a few other things, and then just start uh, doing a bit of tanking on your your values. But if what? you if you screw up all the barrels for Aerith, and you know are, I'll say, a couple of the, the wrong things to Tifa, you can get the Barrett date. Yeah, I, I screwed up all the Barretts, uh, all the Barretts, all the barrels. <laughs> I screwed up all the barrels on purpose. I've been making all the, all the um, choices that'll make the not raise Tifa's things up, her points. Um, and when I got to the world map, I chose my party to be Barrett and Nanaki, and both Aerith and Tifa just kind of sit there and they're like, that was an interesting choice. Yeah. And the other one's like, very <laughs> interesting, or something like that. It was so funny. <laughs> I also was reading online, and it was too late for me to go to make sure to do this, because I'd already done it. But when if Cloud is chosen by Don Corneo, and you play along and... Um, His name is Barrett. Yeah, is it, is it if you reject all of his advances, he asks if you have a boyfriend, and then you can say that your boyfriend's name is Barrett. That's <laughs> and that, post the game. That does like, get Barrett. you points. Yeah, that, oh, that's awesome. That gets Barrett points. That's awesome. <laughs> Which I wish I had. I never knew that before because I don't think I'd ever gotten Cor Corneo to ask Cloud that question. Yeah, I accidentally got Corneo this playthrough. I was trying to get one of the other ones. Because um, I like doing the, the, the two fights, but I accidentally got one too many of the good uh, accessories. Yeah. <laughs> but the question is, does Mookie know? Listen, <laughs> Mookie <laughs> knows all. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on gameplay? No? Um, if we're still talking about minigames... Um, CPR minigame can go. Oh, fuck that. Uh, it, it, you know they're going to quick time event that shit in, in the remake? It's uh, already pretty much a quick time event. Uh, agreed, but it's going to really be a quick time event this yeah. time. No! <laughs> um, I'm betting the slap battle uh, on the, the uh, Junon cannon is going to be a, a quick time event, too. No, they just need to put that into the Street Fighter V engine. Oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be so amazing. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you can break Scarlet's stiletto and jab it in her eye or something like that. At oh the my end. god! That would be. <laughs> we're not talking Mortal Kombat here. I was going to say, goddamn! If we're going to break go her stilettos, 
but you're not going to, to stab her with them or throw her off the, the building. That's a shame. If we're going that <laughs> gritty and realistic, this... Later. Oh, well. <laughs> if we're going that gritty, it sounds like you're going to turn the CPR minigame into like a full, a full tracheotomy. Oh, no, like, no. Cutting into her throat with a no. buster sword, just like... Shh. No, 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 you have to cast lightning on her to restart her, to, to, to reset her, her you know, her heart. <laughs> what the hell? What did this even become? Oh, uh, right. moving on. Um, um, snowboarding minigame. I, I cannot control that thing for the life of me. I Just, can't either. I ride the brake the whole time. Yeah, it's I hate not it. great. And that's one of the ones that got its own, like, in, you know, unique release. That and so G-Bike, did the G-Bike, right? Yeah. yeah. At least G-Bike you can control. Right. True. Although somewhat annoying, the villains in, in the G-Bike game. <laughs> I actually don't mind it. Like, I never had a problem with the G-Bike. When I can get to, get it to the end and all my people's health is still in the green. I, I think everybody has a different, like, which minigame is the best thing based on their own ver various levels of dexterous... Uh, uh, dexterity? De de yeah, dexterity, that's the word. Yeah, that's the word. Dexterity. Dexterity slash patience, which is also a huge thing. Um, because honestly, I, I, I think G-Bike my least favorite behind, uh, the snowboarding and the submarine, so, but, uh, that's just me. I totally agree to disagree. Talk, talking about <laughs> dexterousness, I, I, it just totally <laughs> reminds me of, uh, uh, the, the, I think it's the first Robot Chicken Star Wars special with, uh, Ponda Baba claiming that he's ambidextrous and he's drawing this stick figure thing at his job. <laughs> <laughs> that was a random, uh, association. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, it's amazing, Tinny. You, you you owe it to yourself to at least watch the first one. The first one's so it's, it's hilarious. It's Robot Chicken and Star Wars? Yeah, mm -hmm. have you never seen Robot Chicken before? Oh, I have seen Robot Chicken, but I didn't know they did it. I did not know they did a Star Wars Yeah, thing. They, did, they did three Star Wars specials. Okay. All, all of I them are that... pretty good, but the first one's absolutely the best. I didn't know that, because I know that Family Guy did that, too. The they family... were essentially... Uh, taking the piss out of each other constantly because <laughs> you know the the guy who plays chris griffin is the creator of uh robot chicken yeah. yeah seth green okay any other remarks on gameplay i just happened to think of some actually um the uh uh chocobo uh racing uh i need to go I'm, full mario kart that actually probably is my favorite mini game in, in oh, all of the gold yeah. saucers the is the chocobo racing and once you actually start breeding your own chocobos and stuff, that becomes a lot of fun. So I do agree. I wish it was actually more of a race instead of this weird endurance game. And yeah. know, it was less tied to stats. Yeah, I agree with that. I wonder how the I wonder how they'll alter that for the uh, uh remake. Or if it'll get omitted altogether. Mario Kart on Chocobos. Like they have in Final Fantasy fourteen, like the the way they do it in fourteen is perfect. There, I mean, stats do matter, and it's it's kind of an endurance test. But you get special items. There's boost panels. It's actually a lot of fun. The problem with me with the Chocobo racing was the second you get your Chocobo raised with all the proper stats, which I mean, anybody who's raising it seriously is gonna just max them out. You become unstoppable, and then it's not fun. It's rush to the end, then wait. Yeah. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Early on in the breeding process, like when you're before you start getting into the specialty co chocobos, the I think it's it's still very competitive. Even especially when you get up into like A class and S class. 
Yeah, but you usually should just wait until you can max out a chocobo before going into ANS. I mean, I've... I usually I usually try to to max out my chocobos before I start racing them. So, well, yeah, and I, I mean, I just pu- pump them full of Reagan greens and yeah. get them all the max stats, and then B and C are uh, freaking busy work. I mean, A can be A can be somewhat challenging, especially S if Teo shows up. If, if if Teo's up, well, then screw that. Although I have beaten him on several occasions, he's still a bitch. Uh, well, I mean, I I beat him all the time once I get my 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 black and gold chocobos. But it, with anything else, he's usually a bitch to beat. Yeah, well, Teo's specifically there to say you need better stuff. Uh, once you get the gold chocobo, then you have the best stuff. Yep. <laughs> so screw you, Teo. Damn right. Okay. Um, anything else on gameplay? Nope. Alright. No? Alright, we will move right on then to art direction. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go out uh, on a limb and say that even though there are definitely better looking Final Fantasy games uh, in the series that as the series has gone on, I still think Final Fantasy VII is, has some of the most gorgeous locations in any of the Final Fantasy games. Oh, they they absolutely love their dystopian scenery porn. Oh yeah, <laughs> the environment. <laughs> are 10 out of 10. The sprite work is some, leaves to be desired. It's early 3D sprite work. Yeah. It's not great. It, it hasn't held up. But the environments are absolutely fantastic. You can't even call it sprite work because it's models. Yep. Yep, the, the, the but models. But they are janky models. Yeah, they really are. I mean, especially like when... People. Especially when you compare it up against uh, just the game that came right after it, uh, Final Fantasy VIII. I mean, the there was the capability, obviously, to do better models, uh, but for whatever reason, they chose to go with uh, what we what we have. And I mean, it just uh, what JT said is right. It it definitely the models don't hold up at all. The backgrounds look great. They could have also gone in the other direction because both Xenogears and Saga Frontier, which came out. Um, at around the same time as eight, and and a couple of games later thereon did uh, 2D sprite work that blended very well in a 3D world. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Breath of Fire three comes to mind. Uh, so does Breath of Fire four, but that was much later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, I'm I never... specifically bringing up two Square games. Understood. Yeah, but I like I said I. I... I actually played Final Fantasy VII on the PS4 for this retrospective, and uh, I'm playing it on my 55-inch big screen, and it just the the mod the character models just look awful. They look terrible, but the backgrounds look gorgeous. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be interesting playing uh, eight on my new 60-inch. Even though they like redid them to be in HD and all that. Yeah, I mean it just it still doesn't look right. I mean, it's it's it looks the shape better. of the models rather than the quality yeah. of the assets. Correct, correct. The the models themselves do look cleaner. They do look better, but it's still the the shapes. The it it, it still looks very. I guess I guess the best way I could describe it is it still looks very polygonal. True, that is true. Because I know my TV very... is like a forty some inch 
They're very and... obviously polyhedral. Yes. Like <laughs> yes. It, instead of being, you know, an arm, it's a a hexagonal cylinder uh, <laughs> that is doing duty as an arm. Right. The the but the, the the backgrounds are just beautiful, and you got these shitty character models, but the the backgrounds are beautiful. The, I love Cosmo Canyon. That is one oh, yeah. uh, Cosmo Canyon calm. Um, what else? Uh, uh, even the town of Nibelheim is is beautiful. It, it's just oh the the the, the junk pile. That was Sector Seven, and the ascent to the yeah. tower are fucking gorgeous. Yes, or, and they're literally trash. Uh, for me, all <laughs> the Northern Limit stuff—the Lost Capital, uh, oh yeah, freaking yeah. Great Glacier—that's mm. uh, also true. Though speaking of beautifully rendered literal trash, I'm reminded Tenny of Case <laughs> of Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Just way back when we did the the commentary on that, and like. So much gushing about the trash piles. When I think of beautifully rendered trash, I think thirteen. Uh, <laughs> oh no, no, it's um, a fair cop. It is entirely a fair cop. Thirteen I, is trash, but fun. The, the, the case of Denzel commentary that was a long time ago. I do not even remember what we talked about. <laughs> it was mostly hair and trash. <laughs> Look at that beautiful pile of garbage. <laughs> like that was splendid. an exact quote. God, it's been <laughs> years. Oh man, that was so funny if that if I actually said that in there and I just don't remember it. Um, the I also have to mention that some of the uh, uh, monster designs in Final Fantasy VII are genuinely pretty creepy. Uh, specifically, the Genova monsters are incredibly creepy, and uh, uh, the forms of Sephiroth that you face are pretty fucking creepy too. There's also a lot of monsters that are not in, um, like they're not static, but they're very obviously they they improved upon the early models and kept reusing them, like the Behemoth and the oh, Marlboro yeah. from this game. Yes, uh, became. Very iconic for like the next four games, including Crystal Chronicles, which, not even joking, literally used the exact same monster assets as mine. Huh. Interesting. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the best looking monster in the entire fucking game is the. Schizo. Um, no, I don't agree, and that's Schizo. It's the ghost ship. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I was being a smartass about Schizo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, no, I. I no, I, it's the, the ghost tank. ship is amazing. What's that? It's, now? it's the uh, the, it's the, the rhino tank. roller. The, the rhino, the other rhino tank. Okay, okay. The rhino, you know tank. The yeah. rhino no, tank might be number two. It's a triceratops two. tank. It's a triceratops. Triceratank. Yeah. Uh, uh, yin and yang as well. <laughs> <laughs> yin, and oh, yin and yang. Creepy, dude. That's you want to talk creepy designs, man. That that thing. That's an just asshole like... fight. <laughs> Well, because it's always going, Yang is getting excited, yeah, and it's yeah. like, why are you getting excited? No, 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 now you're just waiting for it to go, Yin is touching himself, Yang is happy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you think yeah. Yin and Yang can give itself a reach around? No, because they've only got one set of uh, genitals, two heads, two arms. The, the real question body. is, with Yin and Yang, is it masturbation or incest? <laughs> Yes. No idea. 
The answer is yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Why not? On that note, shall we move to music? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, JT, I'm going to let you go ahead and start gushing on the music here. <laughs> okay, well, uh, to be the usual pluggy asshole that I am, I'm going to mention that if All you right, want to hear me, <laughs> if you want to hear me gush completely, uh, I did last year do a complete OST review of the entire Final Fantasy VII compilation. Uh, well, which is a touch lackluster, but if you want to hear a nerd ramble about music for about an hour, then more power to you. Um, also, but, be on the lookout for any of our po- retrospectives. Uh, well, the retrospectives, too, of course. Yes, always. Um, <laughs> we will geek out for an hour over nothing. <laughs> what? what, what an, an hour? Are you fucking kidding me? This is going on like six hours now. <laughs> no, an, an hour oh, for no. nothing. Oh, f- fair enough, fair enough. Any hoosies, uh, Music Design 7, uh, obviously one of the strongest soundtracks in the series. Um, I still think 6 and 9 have it beat, but 7 is definitely in a close third spot. And The reasoning isn't just the obvious, massive, massive, successfully the well-known ones. One Wing and Angel is a great piece, but it's honestly not even the most noteworthy piece in this game, if you're talking musical, uh, the way it's set up. The main theme is fantastic, and the recurring motifs that occur through every single track of the game, when, you, when you're when you listening to each track, everything that, that's like these, these minor town themes, you'll hear little hints of the main theme, or Tifa's theme, or Anxious Heart. You'll hear these themes recur, and the way... This game uses motifs. FF7 is probably the best example of leitmotif outside of, again, 6 or 9. Um, but the, what it does with it, what it does with every character motif is it always comes back and each character motif is twisted. Like, the game begins off really kind of... It, it's definitely kind of a dark game. It's probably one of the creepier games in the entire series. I think, in terms of sheer scare factor, it may be the scariest. But... You always have the beginning, the kind of the upbeat adventure, yay, and then shit goes tits up. And the music (laughs) does the same thing. Think about a perfect example, Barrett's theme. Barrett's theme, which you hear at the beginning in the Sector 7 slums, the only time in the entire game you hear that version of his theme. It's all boisterous and upbeat and happy and yay and hot damn. And the next time you hear anything that uses his motif is... Mark of the Traitor, which is downtrodden, depressing, miserable, holy Super minor shit. chord. Super minor chord, like, holy shit, Barrett, what did you do? Um, and the game is riddled with that. I mean, every character has, at their, their motif shows up at least one more time, and it always goes down. Red 13, another great example, Red 13. His theme you hear at the beginning in the Shinra Tower, it's relatively, you know, okay, whatever, kind of a neutral theme, actually. Then you've got Cosmo Canyon, the town theme, which is the same motif. Cosmo Canyon's theme is so good. Exactly. Red 13's theme really borrows from, really borrows a lot, like, borrows from Cosmo Canyon, but it's, like, kind of just, like, the bass line and the drums without the rest of it. right. Which is important because that, that, that it shows that connection. Yeah. And what you see happening when it goes to Great Warrior, it, it again, gets yes, downright sad. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, and incidentally, Great Warrior is, and for, my, for my two cents here, I know I've been talking a lot, but for my two cents, 
I think Great Warrior is on par with Eris's themes in terms of the ability to evoke feels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I even have to say, A Head on Our Way evokes feels. I mean, there, I can there's see a that. lot of really just overall, it's exceptional quality. Like, I don't think there's anything that's quite as series. I mean, there there is One Winged Angel, but I think that's actually on the low scale as far as you know, big epic boss fight terms. It's not bad, but it doesn't you know rank up with Big Bridge or Four Fiends. But the the music as a whole in the ser- in in Final Fantasy VII is just so artfully constructed around a theme and then revisiting and you know screwing with that theme i totally agree and and you know i people may disagree with me when i say this but for me the soundtrack to final fantasy 7 is one of the few final fantasy soundtracks that i can listen to and it elicits an a legitimate emotion based on where i remember hearing that theme in the game um, there are certain songs from various Final Fantasy soundtracks that will do that as well, but not entire soundtracks. This uh, entire I was going to say, you know, 8 does the does same that. To, to that for me, but it's mostly, you know, boredom mixed with a bit of, yeah, I'm finally fucking going to be Laguna. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I know that Final Fantasy X soundtrack is definitely that way with me as well, but I do also agree with you on 7. Um, I think that... I don't think that there's a single bad song. I will admit, I, I do kind of agree that I don't think that One Winged Angel, Angel is as amazing as people claim that it is. I agree. But it's still a good song. But, but I think, but yeah, it, it still all ties together very well. Like, as a whole, I could listen to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the only, if I, if I had one gripe about the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack, it's the post-Meteor uh, world map theme. It's terrible. I, I, and I know that's the point. I know that's the point. But it's just, I, it's, it's, it, to me, it's the weakest song on the whole soundtrack. Otherwise, other, otherwise, it's uh, the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack, in my mind, is Uematsu's mas- masterpiece. I if think I, can, I might agree. Yeah. It, it's definitely, like I say, it's definitely out there for me. I, I, I still think 6 and 9 do a lot more uh, overall again overall there's individual pieces from seven that are absolutely at the top and rightly so uh, as a whole soundtrack again six nine then seven for me and uh maybe four after that actually um but uh, I, don't don't get me wrong i'm not discounting any of the other final fantasy soundtracks that are, that have legit great music in it but i think on. on the whole seven is is Uematsu's masterpiece, without a doubt, and I and I and I have to say that I very much enjoy Six's soundtrack. Do not get me wrong; Six's soundtrack is terrific. Oh yeah, and I'm it not, definitely I'm has the superior the superior final boss theme comes from Final Fantasy VI, without a doubt. But <laughs> but Final Fantasy VII, on the whole, I think the soundtrack it tops it. Yeah, I, I and I can definitely like I said I'm not saying you're discounting any of that I'm just saying uh, for me personally I will say in terms of the boss theme yes six's boss theme is better but I will say it's damned close because I love seven's boss theme. Uh, I'm I meant final boss theme. Oh, final boss, uh, final yeah, yeah, boss yeah. theme. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one wing angel. Yeah, one wing angel. The problem with one wing angel is it got. Like and this is probably true. This this can be expanded to be everything about Final Fantasy VII. It got overhyped after the fact. It, when it first happened, Seven's 
was the first get to give us a lyrical score. And right. oh my god, we had this final boss theme, which we actually had lyrics, albeit in Latin, but it was fantastic. It was amazing. It blew our minds. And then they kept on remaking it, and it just steadily got worse. <laughs> so, yeah, the- I mean, it's not bad, and I don't think it got worse. But like, I, I, I kind of actually really, really like the Admin Children version, but I don't know. I definitely think that there are better boss themes out there. Yeah, I was going to say, that, like I said, the, the, final, the final boss theme from Final Fantasy VI, in my mind, eclipses One Wing and Angel, but... That's just my opinion. Uh, it's mine too, man, by a wide margin. <laughs> um, I, for some reason, I can't remember what the goddamn name of the song is, though. It's Dancing Mad. Yes, that's it. Thank you. How could you forget Dancing Mad? Well, I was thinking Dancing Mad was, was actually just Kefka's theme on the whole, but it's, yes, you're right, Dancing Mad. So, um, any other thoughts on the soundtrack? This game has five Chocobo themes. Oh, it does. It does. Oh, yes. <laughs> and yet, they're all better 13s. <laughs> well, the yeah. first one, anyways. Yeah, the first one. Pasta Chocobo is actually pretty good, but Kakuna yeah. Chocobo can burn in hell. <laughs> I kind of like the Electric de Chocobo. Because it's kind of like a surfer song. Or no, not that one. Which one is it that's the surfer song? The, um... You're talking about Electric Day Chocobo is... Is Electric Day Chocobo the one that kind of like sounds like it's like... The one plays during snowboarding, yeah. Okay. The one that's the standard catch a Chocobo theme, is that what you're thinking of? From Final Fantasy VII? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, that one's my personal favorite as well. Yep. It kind of sounds like it's going to be like the beginning of Wipeout, but then it's like yeah, yes, exactly. about the yeah, yeah. I, I'm I would not be surprised at all if that was an intentional reference. Um, yeah, I, it definitely I, starts up like Wipeout. It absolutely yeah, it is the same. Does. Yeah, my favorite is actually the of all the Chocobo themes in the game. My favorite is uh, actually the one that plays in the betting menu. The the um, place your bets. Mm. The little like sort of poppy electronic PC that plays. It's minor, and you only hear it like once, but I love it. Um, <laughs> so Fiddle Day Chocobo has a soft spot for me, just from all the racing I did. They're all good. I mean, they're all freaking fantastic yeah. pieces, so, I mean, like, whatever. Yeah. It's whatever you like. Uh, Ryu, uh, I see you've got some notations on <laughs> on the agenda here, so I'm assuming this is your glitch. So I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> and hand this off to you about your glitch right. here. Well, it's not just my glitch, because in addition to the weird glitch I found, there's a, there's a couple of you know infamous glitches in the game. Uh, obviously, everybody knows about the W item, item dupe glitch. That's so simple and easy, I'm not even going to talk about it. Well, the two glitches I want to talk about real quick actually involve jumping backwards in time as far as the game cares. So one is PC only, and the other is one that I managed to discover by accident and do not know how reproducible it is. <laughs> uh, so the Yuffie glitch is a PC version uh, glitch where 
Essentially, you have two save files. One is very far in the game, and the other is very early in the game, but far enough that you can encounter Yuffie. You have to die on one file, immediately load up the game, and then try and encounter Yuffie. And you will essentially, once you fight Yuffie, your party from that first file... Uh, sorry, you have to... Die in the game. You have to, sorry, I, yeah, <laughs> you have to die in a game where you can fight Yuffie. Uh, not that you are going to, but then you have to load up the game much later on and encounter something without changing your map data. You will be in the Yuffie fight from the earlier game. And when you finish the Yuffie fight, you will be in the section of the game, as far as all the game event flags are, that you were in when you would encounter Yuffie, but with all of your equipment from later in the game, and your levels, and your materia, etc. What? Strange. So the other can, glitch... You oh, can go, go and level yourself up and get better equipment. Do you, you initiate can... the fight with Yuffie and then let her kill you? Um, you don't actually have to fight Yuffie in um, the game where you lose. You just have to be in a map sector that can encounter her. So you basically are wandering around in a forest, uh, die on purpose, load up a save that has battles in it, but do not screen transition, get into a battle, it will be a Yuffie fight. After the Yuffie fight, um, you go because the map location is still stored in memory, even though you died, and it hasn't been overwritten on the state load. Weird. Very <laughs> strange. The other one is one that I discovered on the PSP, and I have, again, no idea how re uh, reproducible this is, but I will describe the circumstances. So I am... In the disc to return to Midgar, I'm heading into Shinra Tower, taking the elevator up. As the elevator um, animation where you were getting out of the elevator plays, my PSP goes into standby mode due to low battery. This might be um, reproducible just by turning the PSP off. I plug it in, turn it back on, and I'm encountering events and enemies from the first disc. They, wow. They're not visually wow. loaded, uh, not all of them, but I can interact with them as if they are there. Bizarre. That is probably the most complicated glitch I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm not sure how many other places you can pull something similar on, but I do know that it's essentially letting you jump from the end of the game to the beginning, so it's very similar to the Yuffie glitch, and it might be, um, you know, re reproducible on any of the, um, the versions which let you uh, pause during, you know, because I don't think you could do this on the original PlayStation, um, unless it's somehow opening the, the uh, the disc will let you, you know, sort of glitch out your uh, FMV playing. Because I do think the interrupting that short FMV has something to do with the glitch. But, That's weird. Yeah. yeah. And 
unfortunately, that's all I have to tell you about that glitch because I have not been able to explore. <laughs> been able to recreate it. I mean, I, I've been able to recreate it, but I don't know if it's something to do with because, as I said, I was having some weird glitches during my playthrough, so I don't know if it's related to those. Um, I don't know how reproducible it is in general. I can make it happen, and I might distribute my save uh, from right before it happened, just to see if other people can do it. But as far as I know, you know, it might just be this. It might have something else to do. It might be PSP only. Huh. I wonder, hey, Timmy, can you, can you give that a try on the PS4 playthrough you're doing right now? Um, I mean, I mean, right now is the very moment, or... No, 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 not this <laughs> very moment. I'm just saying... Can, I can, can give you all the details later. All you yeah, need to do is have a save. Yeah, please for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious if, it, if, it, if uh, you could uh, do the same thing on the PS4 version. Because you can Weird. stop an app at any time and go into, like, uh, rest mode, perhaps, if that's what's causing it during the mid-cut. Uh, maybe that can happen. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah, just kind of write down all the details and I'll give it a try. Right. Interesting. So, yeah, I think with that said, um, we are finally ready to give our final rankings for Final Fantasy VII. Um, Tinny, since this is your first time doing the retrospective, um, it is out of five stars. You can decimalize. Yeah. Oh, crap. I forgot about this part. What do I want to vote? So we will actually... I'll go ahead and go in alphabetical order so you have some time to think about it here. Okay. So, JT, we'll start with you. Okay, and uh, for veteran listeners of the retrospective, you know I do a, like a paragraph long rant before to explain my rating. Um, I, I will say, with especially with the game being overhyped and a lot of the compilation drama, yada yada, a lot of people go back and they look at people saying, "Was it really the greatest of all time?" Yada yada, and, and I don't think it was the greatest Final Fantasy of all time either. But I know a lot of people tend to be contrarian about this game and say well it really wasn't that great there's a lot of errors but the thing is every final fantasy every game has flaws when i rate a game when i'm judging a game at least in this phase i'm judging were the flaws so bad that they caused me to lose interest in the game or did they detract from all the good about this game final fantasy 7 has flaws but not a damn one of them has affected how fun this game is, how amazing the music is, how incredible the story is. The cast of Thousands still holds up. And this game, when it came out, was hyped as the greatest RPG of all time. That might not end up being true, but I'll tell you, it's a damn fine Final Fantasy. And it's a perfect example of what the series is all about. This is my third one, and I promise there's only going to be one more game that I think I'm going to give a perfect score to. But I'm giving this a 5 out of 5. Five out of five for JT. Yay! Ryu Shikaze. Now, my my ratings are generally not as a reflection on the series as a whole, but on what I think could be done at the time. Right. So, I do not rate games on um, a metric relative to other Final Fantasy games, but relative to other games of their period, and whether or not I think they 
did the best that they could with what they had available. And so while there's stuff about the game that's definitely jank, like the 3D models um, and, you know, some very obvious uh, translation errors, uh, overall, it's a really, really solid game that pushed what was capable of being done, you know, with RPGs and with the hardware at the time. Uh, it's not absolutely perfect, but it's really good. So... I don't want to give it a 5 out of 5, but I'm going to give it a 4.999 repeating. (laughs) 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 I'm going to start breaking out the imaginary algebraic numbers before too long. (laughs) Okay. All right, Tinny. I'm going to start giving a negative 17 out of of Q for um, 8. Okay, for me... My favorite parts of Final Fantasy VII is the story and the main cast. Um, I, in the journey, I am in it for Cloud's exploration of himself, uh, trying to figure out the truth of what's going on, trying, you know, the, whether, the truth about his past when he begins to like doubt himself and wondering whether or not he's being controlled or he's doing everything of his own will. Um, and then, you know, Cloud finding himself after the fact, um, when everything goes wrong and, you know, you think that he's turned, like, you know, lost himself forever. And then, you know, Atifa helps him find himself again. And then in the end, going to, on to be able to triumph over Sephiroth, who had been basically mind-fucking him the entire game. Um, Sounds and- dirty. <laughs> okay, I don't, you know. Anyways, I'm, I'm you know kidding, what I mean. Tenny. I'm kidding, Tenny. I mean, I guess I could explain why Sephiroth is shirtless in his mind. That's what all the fangirls want it to be. I guess so. But, um, so I'm in it for that. I mean, I'm in it for that. Like, the, um, like, in all the main cast, I love, like, all of the main characters in the game. Um, are you getting misty eyed? No, I'm not getting misty-eyed, sorry. I kind of I was losing my voice before we started anyways. But um I do have to say that um I do think that like Sephiroth himself is an okay villain, but I've never been, I've never been all like amazed by him. It was mainly, it was mainly like I I saw the bad things he was doing to Cloud, so it was all like Cloud win. Um so there is that. And I, but I do think, like I said, like the story is pretty phenomenal. The story itself is pretty almost flawless. The only thing about the game that I really think holds it back is that I feel like, as far like gameplay wise, as as far as moving the plot along, there are a lot of moments where the game kind of just like leaves you on the world map without telling you any, giving you any indication of where you're supposed to go next. And that is when you do have to, like, look at guides to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do? Or am I just going to walk around for all these hours until I find this random shack, on, you know, in this little part of the world that I didn't know was important? That maybe I had visited the shack earlier and thought that, hey, I'll never be here again because this is obviously nothing. Until, like the, like, the random moment you go at the right time, you're like, oh, hey, now here's a plot element on how to move along. So... I do think that kind of does hold the original game back. 
just because I do kind of feel like a person might like it, a person might need a guide. Whereas with games, you know, it'd be nice if you could get through it without having to have one. Um, but there's so many good things. See, so yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm just searching for a balance. Um, I and I'm also leery. I'm all, I'm always leery of perfect scores. Um, so I think for seven, I would give it maybe a four point two five. Four point two five for Tinny. There you go. And a two from the Russian judge. Two <laughs> from the Russian judge. Okay, so I know I've handed out several perfect scores, and I'm going to hand out another one here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I here, here's what I am going to say: that Final Fantasy VII does definitely have its flaws. Um, we mentioned earlier that the character models just have not held up well over time. Um, I do get infuriated with having to sit through the uh, uh, summoning animations when I'm using the summons. Um, <laughs> well, there's your problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Stop using summons, gosh. Hey, I, I really only use them in, in, in two fights in the whole game. Otherwise, I don't use them at all. But uh, <laughs> And those, those fights are against the very first uh, monsters in the... Uh, the shoulder fight at the beginning of the game, he summons Knights of the Round, and then against <laughs> one random move, just as he leaves. <laughs> he has to kill the other one naturally, and then he can, you know. Actually, Emerald and Ruby Weapon would be <laughs> the two monsters that I use summons on predominantly. Uh, so you summon a level 6 Tifa on both of them? Yes. <laughs> um but for all the flaws of the game, the, th the little petty annoyances I have with it, just something about Final Fantasy VII continues to capture my imagination. It continues to give me the feels, even though I know the story like the back of my hand. Um, I mean, I love Final Fantasy VI so much, and I still think Final Fantasy VI is the superior superior game between the two. but. Final Fantasy VII is still perfection in its own way, um, in a way that, in my opinion, no game afterwards has been able to, to capture the magic uh, that Final Fantasy VII has. has. Um, it gets a 5 out of 5 for me. So Nice. Now I kind of feel like I'm the odd one out that gave the lowest score. Nah. It's not, you're you're not nothing compared to like when uh, we were playing Final Fantasy Four <laughs> and Flintlock and Lex showed up and gave three out of five for that or, or whatever they gave. So well, you know, <laughs> when we were playing two, somebody oh. still. Oh, <laughs> I was getting ready to say somebody was still salty about the four result, but <laughs> then Ryu pops in with the two jab. <laughs> Somebody's salty. I'm not even salty. I love that game. I, I know I'm insane. I just love it. Final Fantasy 2? I love all the soccer games. And the second in Setsus. But seriously, it's okay to be the odd man out because, again, if it were not for you, Tenny, and even... Okay, let me, let me put this another way. Even with you, Tenny, this has still been a six-hour love fest. That's so true. It, it's good to have the uh, the alternative opinion. And it's also worth noting that, uh, you know, Mike says we're going to, at the end of the whole retrospective, do a new rating, rating them 
against each other. each other. Yeah, yeah, against um, each other. And that's when we're going to see some of the, me give some lower scores than perfect scores, but... Uh, um, I'm just going to do a numbered list, top to bottom. I mean, that's that's essentially what I'm going to have all of us do when we get to that point, and then we can, you know, debate the merits of each one and such, and see if we can come up with a, a general overall list averaged out between all of ours. Well, we'll Final Fantasy Tactics at the top. <laughs> Final Fantasy 2 at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to be objective and bury my children uh, by putting 8 like near the bottom because I know, I know, guys. Look, I love it, and I, think, I, th- I, don't, I don't think it's as bad as people say, but yeah, it has a lot of problems gameplay-wise. So <laughs> We'll get into that next retrospective. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, Final Fantasy 8 is certainly on the horizon, as is Final Fantasy 15. We are going to go ahead and play Final Fantasy VIII next. Um, I intend to <laughs> uh, uh, split my time in favor of Final Fantasy XV once XV does drop. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, hoping that I'll have a PS4 by then. It all depends on whether or not uh, Black Friday sales are good. Uh, I, I would, uh, or if I, would, I can find a great deal on Craigslist or something. I was gonna say, wait for Cyber Monday, man. The Cyber Monday deals tend to be better than Black Friday these days. I just roll it all into the the same sort of thing. Uh, I'm not talking about explicitly Black Friday. Gotcha. Okay. Just that whole weekend in general. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, that said, uh, we did get some feedback on our Final Fantasy VI retrospective, and I also want to mention, before we get into this here real quick, that uh, we have gotten a shitload of YouTube views, listens to the Final Fantasy, the first two parts of the Final Fantasy VII retrospective. We've gotten uh, quite a few comments about it and such. Really looking forward to reading those back. And uh, I figured the Final Fantasy VII retrospective was going to be our most popular one, and it certainly has not disappointed in that fashion. So thank you very much to everyone that has listened, given kind remarks. Um, it's very much appreciated, and this is why we do it. So. Um, we'll start out with the first piece of feedback then from the livestream.net forums on part one of the Final Fantasy VI retrospective. Uh, this one's from, I think it's CJ Adon or C Adon or how, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Kajadon. Yeah. <laughs> that almost had that Arnold Schwarzenegger feel to it. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry. You actually, at some point, uh, she actually mentioned how exactly to pronounce her name uh, in one of these comments. I apologize. I can't remember that. It's been ages. Yeah. Um, but uh, great episode, guys. I'm bummed I have to wait for part two, although I totally understand why they are split. Lady, you don't even know the beginning of this whole thing. <laughs> Trust me. It, it's, it's crazy. The behind the scenes of this show can be uh, fascinating at times. Um, wait for our 17 part. Sec, uh, Final Fantasy Nine episode. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, dude! I don't even know. I mean, like seven was was six hours, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> the t- oh God, when we get to twelve, seven at um, this point. <laughs> the topic, the topic of Western for me, it's specifically American, since that's where my e, where e my experience. I think that's is. just a typo. 
Yeah, yeah, where my experience is, censorship of Japanese media is pretty interesting. At least here in America, companies that localize Japanese media tend to be very liberal in their censorship, especially when it comes to anything with religious connotation to it. If you Google Western censorship of anime, you'll get a ton of hits with seemingly innocuous edits. Uh, for instance, one of my favorite manga series is Shaman King. The series starts out fairly tame, but it's serious and dark the further you go into it. Uh... At one point, the cast finds the villain slaughtered a Native American tribe, and they all relive it as part of the tribesmen. But when this was adapted for North America, for some reason it was marketed for kids. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, okay. That's just a good... We, we could just stop the whole paragraph that is right a there. Huge, <laughs> yeah. That is a huge problem with so much anime that there's... I feel like even... with Despite the fact that it's it has been changing, um, I know, with like Adult Swim and all that... I do feel like that there's still a lot of people in America that look at something that's animated and think, oh, that's for kids, even yeah. when it's really not. Like, Especially people who are trying to adapt something and market it because they think that kids are a driving you know, market force. For stuff that's animated? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's how, like, I picked... Sorry. I'll say that's how, like, when I was a little kid, there were a few anime movies that my mom rented from the store she worked in <laughs> that were really not child appropriate but she just thought oh look it's a cartoon <laughs> Akira? oh this oh, is like the you like burn up urutsuko doji demon city shinjuku i um, i have a story I mean, no, about that not nothing okay what well, they weren't like they, it wasn't any hentai but it was really really violent and traumatizing <laughs> nothing that i mentioned was a hentai Okay. Just never... really, really violent, and one had a sex scene. You like, didn't see anything, but it still had a sex scene. Like, there was this one of... Oh, actually, no, I'm getting off topic. Let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah well, go ahead, uh, Just uh, the comment I had was uh, uh, when I was a kid, we went to Blockbuster, and we saw Final Fantasy Legends of the Crystal, <laughs> and uh, they <laughs> wouldn't let us get that because we were kids. So, yeah. Um, oh, any hoozies, uh, <laughs> and, and, and the rest of the sentences, and it gets and heavily, pretty heavily edited. I mean, it's a show where people communicate with the dead, merge with them, and then fight each other, yet cross-shaped headstones and cemeteries was just too much and had to be changed. From a gaming perspective, blood is often edited here to be a different color. Why? Backlash from the parents, maybe. Or maybe these companies were afraid of getting a higher-than-wanted rating from the ESRB. Probably a mixture of both, I would guess. Actually, if you look into the history of how the ESRB was founded, i.e. Mortal Kombat and and Nintendo being complete dicks to Sega, um, then yeah, a lot of that happened because parents complained and uh, Nintendo wanted to be the good moral king of, of all video games. Um, so yeah. Uh, it, it's stuff like that happens all the time. Censorship is ridiculous with this medium, uh, especially since even even nowadays, even after all the crap we dealt with in the 90s, uh, yeah, they still consider it as a for kids thing, even though the average adult, uh, average game playing adult age is now like 17 to 34. So. The stuff that they censor is different now, but no less weird. <laughs> I once uh, read an article like a few years ago talking about censorship in different countries and i feel like i think that like the one that was like some of it seemed was really weird like in australia any like the, the australia has like the biggest they they were like really buckle down on violence like they're the most strict like they showed like 
the left, like Left for Dead covers, like here's the American version where the hand is like a zombie hand missing half of it, and here's the Australian version where it's a full hand that looks perfectly fine, like nothing wrong with it. And also like in France, there are certain weapons that you cannot show, like apparently with Ninja Turtles, Michelangelo does not have nunchucks because nunchucks are synonymous with ninjas and ninjas are synonymous with violence, even though like... That was this case Leonardo in the UK. Has, uh, what'd you say? That was the case in the UK as well. Was it? Okay, even though, yeah, they didn't take away Leonardo's sword or Raphael's sigh. It and was Donatello something... essentially has a giant stick, so I guess that's okay, but it, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> the, the, the re well, the reason they had to be called the Hero Turtles in the UK and uh, Nunchaku were seen as explicitly violent weapons for reasons I have no idea the More actual reasons a sword. They're a threshing tool from farming. It's like, how did that become associated with violence? God. <laughs> I think it was because there were actually instances of kids trying to make their own. But I don't know. I'd have to look into it. I just know it was a whole, a whole thing. Partly because I once got into an argument with somebody over the series was called Ninja Turtles or Hero Turtles. <laughs> I see. Thanks, Sejandan, or however you pronounce your name. I apologize for the mispronunciation. <laughs> I appreciate the comment. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, Ryu, you want to read this next one from Avalanche87? All right. Love it, guys. Part one is awesome. I'm starting to see the huge moments which make this such a standout story. Re Palazzo. Z in Italian is a T sound. In Italian, there is a double letter. That is where you put the emphasis sound. Being an Australian Italian with a completely fucked up accent, <laughs> there are a lot of Australian Australians who completely screw up loads of Italian words names up. Those for all languages, I guess. But yeah, pet peeve. You guys weren't that bad, though. Hanging for more time to play games. I have no idea where I can fit the time in. Stay if he's late. Italian and he's Australian. If he's Italian and he lives in Australia... And you gave him, like, a Scottish accent? <laughs> I did that deliberately. <laughs> I decided, what's the dumbest thing I can do here? <laughs> uh, Avalanche, by the way, is absolutely one of our most uh, uh, loyal commenters. He comments on just about every podcast we do, so we really appreciate it. Definitely, man. And right we below him, uh, Flintlock added a clip from... Uh, <laughs> Naked gun. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Tetsujin quickly mentions uh, listening to this at the moment. The RPG Maker dudes make a good addition, in my opinion. Also, the E at the end of share is silent. <laughs> Thanks for the correction, Tetsujin. <laughs> I, I normally I would I would have assumed that it was, but it feels like her name needs an extra syllable. You know? Yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I was pronouncing Shere, like Shere. So like yeah. Shere. As opposed to Shere, which seems like it's missing something. Share. <laughs> Do you believe? No, <laughs> you know, no. Yep. <laughs> uh, the the Tetsujin comments on part two, um, and this is the only comment uh, oh, apart okay. from you, downloading you've now. You've moved on to part two. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just yeah. thinking because 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 we just had a Tetsujin comment. I just want to say yeah. while we're talking about Tetsujin, since he's the only uh, comment of substance on the second one in from the live stream, he also mentions, and this is, I gotta own this because this is my bad. Um, regarding John Williams and Zelda, 
not actually a thing. Just some somebody mislabeling an orchestral version of the Zelda theme with JW for some reason, and it got spread around during the early Napster days, and people thought it was legit. I actually did research this a while ago, and apparently that particular arrangement is from the album Game Music Concert, The Best Selection, and was arranged by Toshiyuki Watanabe and performed by the Tokyo City Philharmonic Orchestra. A similar thing happened with that one Zelda parody song that everyone thought was from System of a Down, which I also thought when I was a kid too. My comment to that was simply <laughs> lol limewire because that's where I got most of my music in the day. So <laughs> out there. Oh back in the day limewire. So yeah, we yeah. do again wanna wanna thank uh Tetsujin and really everybody that uh put in comments uh, on the discussion threads on the live stream forums. Uh moving on to YouTube comments. Uh we'll start with part one here Tenny will uh We'll let you uh, uh, start out with uh, uh, reading off some of these comments here. Want me to just read all of them or just... Yeah, that's fine. Okay, first from Jay Trafflesby. I'm a little behind on the RPGMG podcast, but I like listening to you guys yak while I dev do stuff. We'll listen to this one too when I'm done doing doing something else. That sounded like a backhanded compliment, didn't it? Seriously, keep up the good work. And then there's Maho Studio. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, my God. They're <laughs> us. That's them. Yeah, okay, that, that's the guys from the RPGMG podcast. Thanks for having us on. You guys really know your stuff. We look forward to working with you again. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah, no Literally. doubt. We enjoyed having you guys on. It was a lot of fun. It gave a it gave a, a nice di- dynamic to the show, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And we got to have you guys back at some point. Seriously, anytime. Yep. And then there was Sephiroth Nikolai Krampus, who did (laughs) (laughs) a happy face. That's the sound effect for the face. Just... It's a, it, it is I, the fact that he's got Krampus in his name and is all, it appears he's using Krampus as his avatar is amazing. So, <laughs> and then there's Teresa H who says, "Yay! Thank you, Teresa and Krampus and everybody." Yes, absolutely. And lastly, uh, the YouTube remarks from part two of the Final Fantasy VI retrospective. Um, Jack says, "Awesome podcast, guys. Been binge listening to them all of them over the past couple days. Well, you're gonna have a lot of to listen to for this for this one. Oh well, <laughs> you already did. <laughs> yeah. Right. Also, I love your name. Yes. Yes. Nine reference. Excellent. Absolutely." So that was all of the comments we got on the Final Fantasy VI retrospective. Um, we do encourage you guys to continue to leave your comments, feedback, questions. We very much enjoy reading them. Uh, it, again, this is part of the reason why we do these shows here. Uh, we do very much enjoy hearing back from the listener base here, so please keep it up. Um, to close the show here, um, I do want to leave one final question for the listenership for the Final Fantasy VII retrospective, and it's uh, it's a it's a I, I guess a more uh, introspective question. Um, what do you feel is the lasting legacy of Final Fantasy VII, and why do you feel that way? Uh, very interested to hear uh, people's responses about this. Um, looking forward to reading those on the air. It's the Don Cornea side quest. <laughs> I was going to go with Vincent Cloud slash Fick. <laughs> Please, it's all as long about as the, it's not the Cloud mows a lawn, okay? <laughs> no, God, I'm going to edit that out. We, we couldn't get thing. through one other episode without mentioning that, huh? 
God, why? <laughs> you know, seriously, before today, I had actually forgotten that that thing exists. And I really wish that I had not been reminded that it did. <laughs> oh. All right. So, yeah, we do want to hear from you. So send your questions and feedback to us at lifestreampod at gmail.com. You can also reply to the episode posts each week on the livestream.net forums. Uh, please leave us feedback on iTunes. We will do our best to read your questions, comments, and feedback on the air. And uh, real quick before I give the final closing notes, uh, Final Fantasy VIII, again, is on the agenda here, and I'm going to give us roughly about 60 days to finish this up. Wait, sounds we, good. Uh, Timmy, will you be participating in the Final Fantasy VIII retrospective? Um, I will probably sit this out, because I have to admit I've never really been a huge fan of VIII. Nor have I, and I'm really not <laughs> looking forward to playing this I mean, again. If, I guess <laughs> if, you, if you really need... I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, I could I could try to play through it and see how far I get, and then I'll make my decision, maybe. Okay, fair Sweet. enough. Fair enough. Get, I'm going to break it over my goddamn knee. That's what I'm going to do with 10-2. So, yeah, uh, that said, we'd like to thank you again for listening to the Livestream Final Fantasy Retrospective Series. Take care, and always protect the crystals. Because you're a puppet. Peter Pan, magic cheese, step it up! <laughs> because <laughs> you are a puppet. Music featured on this podcast is courtesy and copyright of Square Enix. Thank you.